Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. From a busy NEC Hall 3 and 3A, filled at the moment with stand builders as well as highways and transport experts, from the setup of Highways UK 2023, this is Highways Voices. Hello from Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum at the UK's biggest and best highways and transport show. Welcome to the first of three special podcasts this week. This is Highways Voices from Highways UK 2023, sponsored by AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals, Keeley Brothers, Reflow, Stantec and Unex Traffic. So before we get onto the exhibition floor, I've come into what I'd call the nerve centre here in the NEC of Highways UK and I've been joined by friend of Highways Voices, Claudia Davidson, who is Senior Conference Producer of this event. It's been her job to just basically make everything happen that you're going to see over the next two days here at the NEC. So Claudia, you've got so many different theatres there's so much going on that I've watched being built out on the exhibition floor with all the different theatres you're putting together how on earth can we navigate between the different uh, theatres to make sure that we we see the best bits and you know better than anyone what is actually going to be talked about tomorrow what would you recommend as sessions that are really worth bookmarking So we've got over uh, 400 speakers, over 130 sessions. So there is a lot going on. So I hope people have been using the app and kind of bookmarking the sessions and they've got a kind of packed agenda of where they want to go because not only is there a lot on, the theatres are, you know, it's across a huge floor. So I hope people have allowed time to get from one place to the other. But in terms of the key sessions, obviously we've got Nick Harris, uh, CEO of National Highways, opening the event, followed by a panel discussion with him, Anthony Smith, Ferris Alshaker and Emma Ward so I think that will be a really good one and I think everyone will be will be attending that one then when we break into the more technical stages we've got a fantastic one I think at 12.10 tomorrow uh, which will be moderated by uh, Jacobs and that's featuring Fergus Harridance from the Department of Business and Trade, Lorraine Butler from National Highways, Duncan Reed from Trimble and George Flores from Skanska and that will be going through all the digital technologies that are out there at the moment within the sector so that will go from BIM to geospatial to virtual mapping so I think that's one that I think people can't miss. Okay, you've given me the honour of uh, hosting the uh, keynote session and just hearing those names there, Claudia. I'm not at all nervous about tomorrow morning at all and I will be having an early night tonight, I promise. Road safety is something that's really important to me and is really important when I look at the stories that we run on Highways News. Uh, Got anything specific about that? We have lots on road safety. I think it's a real pillar for the show this year. So on our local authority stage, um, we've got Susie Sharman from the Road Safety Foundation and she'll be focusing on embedding safety within local roads. Um, So that's going to be with Warwickshire County Council, West Sussex County Council, Oxfordshire and DFT. So I think that will go through the funding recently um, and just talk through how you can bring kind of road users with you when you're implementing safety schemes. So that's just one of many road safety sessions that I really want to highlight. Excellent. Anything else that really grabs your eye on day one? I think the big conversation at the moment within the sector is obviously rather than focusing on new infrastructure, how can we optimise the roads that we have? And we do have a session directly on that this year and it's going to be moderated by Matthew Lugg from WSP and feature uh, Andy Thalen from the Welsh Government, Kate Cohen from DFT, alongside the Office for Rail and Road, Atkins and National Highways. So I think that will be a real big hitter and I think... Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see the way that goes and the nuances of that debate. 
Excellent. Claudia, brilliant work to put together such a comprehensive programme for the next two days here in the NEC. Um, If you've got two minutes spare tomorrow, I'll come and grab you again and we can look ahead to Thursday. But for now, thanks for chatting to us here on Highways Voices. Thanks, Paul. From the NEC in Birmingham, Highways Voices at Highways UK. Thanks to the sponsorship of Unix Traffic, Stantec, Reflow, Keeley Brothers and AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals. When you're at the NEC over the next couple of days here for Highways UK. Look out for stuffed traffic cones. They're really important because they signify companies that have supported a really important fundraising campaign that we at Highways News have been really proud to be part of, which is the Give a Cone a Cuddle campaign. And you can come and see the Give a Cone a Cuddle trail here at Highways UK. It's all been raising money for the granddaughter of industry veteran and friend to basically everybody in the industry, Martin Duffy. His granddaughter, Isla, needed some life-changing surgery in the United States. It cost £25,000. The industry came together to support Martin in raising the money. Martin himself did a charity cycle ride. There were so many different ways we made money, but some of it was these traffic cones. So to find out more about it, Martin Duffy joins us here as we look forward to Highways UK 2023. Uh, Martin, first thing most important, how is Isla? Yeah, really good. Thanks very much, Paul. And, you know, I must say thank you, first of all, to everyone who supported this campaign in whatever way, whether or not that was kind words or whether or not it was financial contributions by way of the fundraising events that we've done. Been over to America, to North Carolina with Isla. She's had a stem cell treatment, uh, which is the stem cells from a baby brother being put into Isla. We won't know whether or not there's going to be any impact at all positive negative or otherwise until six to 12 months it's such groundbreaking research stem cell treatment but we're hopeful everything went absolutely like a dream the number of live stem cells when they opened up to put into isla were as a higher rate that they've ever seen isla was a little angel for the entire time we were there so we couldn't want for more We've now, of course, got to support Isla with all the ancillary or associated treatment. So if the stem cells do kick in and they attach and they refire, and her brain is now able to tell her that she can move her right leg, she needs to know that that can happen. And the only way in which that can happen, apparently, is by intensive physio. So the physiotherapist has to come along on a regular basis and keep bending Isla's limbs and until such time the brain figures out it can do it so apparently that's how the process works and and of course you know we're using the funding now to continue on with Isla's treatment around a speech therapy and a physiotherapy and other treatments too so will there be a change in six to 12 months time we pray they will will it be as a direct result of the stem cell treatment god knows and we don't care Paul all we care about is that there's a chance that it might improve her life So just remind me the condition that she was born with. So cerebral palsy, you know, which affects the brain. And generally, the, the, you know, it's the movement of the body. So Isla has very, very little control of... She has no speech and, and is unable to sit or crawl or certainly walk, you know. So it's a, a pretty difficult position in life. 
but the thing is, the photos that you've shared with us and we've shared on Highways News, she looks such a delightful little girl. Oh, smiling all the time, Paul. I've never seen an happier child in my life. You know, smiling all the time. She just doesn't realise that she's got anything wrong with her. Uh, you know, she's cared for greatly by the family, and I suppose that helps. And so here we are at the NEC. We've got this trail. Tell me about the trail and tell me what visitors to Highways UK this week can do and what you'd like them to do with the trail. You'll notice on some of the stands that there's a red and white cuddly cone. Whilst he might murder me for this, I should give great credit to Neil Levitt, who really instigated this on, on our behalf and wanted to do something and bring the sector together and yourself, Paul, your organisation and many others who are normally competitors. Do you know what? You've come together and I'm humbled by it. It's so great. So the concept is, is that as people make their way around the halls and they see these cones on the different stands they'll be able to acknowledge that they're supported what I think is a great cause in supporting Isla. And if people want to support now is there still an opportunity to do so and if so how? Yes absolutely there the still is and my Just Giving page is still live we've still got some money to make to, to get to target without a shadow of a doubt we could spend for a lifetime and, and never raise enough money to be quite honest you know unless it was some miraculous you know unless Isla starts walking in three weeks time and speaking and going to school we rather suspect it's a life of ongoing treatment needs well you're right that we work together with competitors in the industry that are also our friends because we're such a small industry we might compete but we all get on and we were really proud to get together and work with you on this martin and give isla a biggest hug from all of us here at highways uk and just you know fingers crossed for the treatment in the next year Thank you so much, every single last one of you. God bless you. One of nature's gentlemen, and it's a real honour to support such a worthy cause. You're listening to Highways Voices, thanks to the sponsorship of AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals, Unix Traffic, Keeley Brothers, Reflow and Stantec. And talking of Stantec, let's join Adrian. So I'm here at Highways UK today on Stand 130 with Stantec, one of the sponsors of our podcast series this year. I'm with Hayley Scoffham, Associate Ecologist, and Kerry Elliott, Senior Associate Ecologist. So, ladies, welcome to Highways Voices. Um, as we look to decarbonise the highways and transport sectors, which again is a big theme of the show, biodiversity will play an important role. What measures can we put in place to benefit biodiversity in transport corridors? Hi, yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Biodiversity does play um, a really important role. Biodiversity is essential to healthy and resilient ecosystems um, and we need that to support a functioning transport system. Vegetated transport corridors and, and wetlands, they all provide essential services, whether it's improving air quality, reducing flood risks, cycling nutrients, providing cooling, shading, noise abatement, all these services that are essential. And more than that, in terms of decarbonising the transport system, Obviously providing uh, cleaner fuels and, and cleaner transport is part of the answer but we also need to encourage multiple modes of transport so we need to, in, to encourage active travel alongside car use and commercial vehicles um, and biodiversity plays a, a part in that as well. Access to, to nature can encourage active travel and, and recreation 
Um, so it's kind of like a, a positive feedback loop. And it also encourages people to connect better with nature, which can, can lead to um, more pro-environmental behaviours um, and to facilitate policy making that, that supports better planning and, de and designing to improve environmental functioning. Some of the measures that you've spoken about, how do we get that into the design process when we plan the construction of new roads? One of the, the, the key ways and was a real mind shift in how we look at road improvement and road creation projects and actually it's not just about roads, it's, it's really about development of all scales, you know, nationally and globally, and really starting from a place of designing with a nature-based solution approach in mind. And that way we can bring biodiversity and other environmental benefits really front and centre of all of our projects. As Haley said, we know that reversing biodiversity loss will be critical in achieving an effective and sustainable transition towards net zero and uh, ecosystem-based adapt adaptation or uh, MBS is a powerful strategy that recognises the interconnectedness of nature and the climate agendas. And what we've also seen through some of the work that we've done, again, on, on highways projects, but across other types of development, is in adopting the nature-based solutions approach. There's scope for projects to go beyond delivery on the ground and tap into wider corporate environmental and sustainability goals. So the nature-based solutions approach really offers an opportunity to maximise the benefits of a project, whether that's biodiversity related, social value, air quality, but also then in tapping into those corporate goals and looking beyond project delivery, it means that there's a great greater scope to access longer term funding, which is often very relevant for a nature-based project. They typically cost less at the outset to set up but than, a, than a more hard engineered scheme, but they need that longer term funding to um, enable them to be managed and monitored appropriately. And one of the things that you, you're going to be talking about over the, the next two days of the show is the importance of green-blue infrastructure. How do we plan and enable the delivery of that? Yeah, I think a really good place to start is with the Nature Recovery Network. This is major commitment in the government's 25-year plan and is underpinned by the local nature recovery strategies which will be established through the Environment Bill. And this is a way of providing spatial mapping and planning tools to inform nature recovery. So essentially looking to create a national network of wildlife rich places to increase and install nature, which are locally developed, but essentially nationally protected and endorsed. And to create a meaningful nature recovery network, in England and across the UK that helps to tackle nature and climate emergencies. These local strategies need to be really ambitious and encourage everyone to take part in their delivery. So again, road schemes, whether that's improvements to existing or creation of new roads, provide a huge opportunity to feed into that nature recovery network piece. They can provide connectivity between areas of biodiversity value, do that in a meaningful and informed way on a, on a landscape scale and essentially function as corridors and stepping stones that will help wildlife populations to grow and move. And again, those corridors don't need to just be limited to nature. You know, go back to the MBS piece. 
you can maximize those benefits, pull in active travel. So you're hitting that decarbonization piece whilst also connecting people to nature, whilst also improving nature. So as I say, it kind of goes back to that previous point around mindset and changing how we look at what was typically a kind of hard engineered project and approaching it with a nature-based solution mindset and really making biodiversity not not a bolt-on or, or a token offering but biodiversity and environmental benefits in general so real really front and center of, of this type of design work okay thank you ladies so if it's biodiversity you want to talk about it's stand 130 thanks adrian we'll hear more from him in a moment just a word that claudia didn't mention earlier that i'd like to give you a plug if you're in a local authority a must-see session is at 110 tomorrow on the smart traffic and parking theater where my friend darren capes from the department for transport is giving an update on the 70 million pound traffic signals funding process if you're in a local authority or you're one of their advisors it's a session you can't afford to miss highways voices with paul hutton and adrian tatum you're listening to highways voices from the nec in birmingham as we set up for two days of conference and exhibition and networking at the highways uk 2023 event and our podcasts are brought to you thanks to the kind sponsorship of agd and traffic group signals stantec keely's reflow and unix traffic and i've come to the setup of the Unix traffic stand here as you come in through the doors in the NEC Hall 5 to uh, to you can't really miss the Unix traffic stand and I'm with Tim Ray who's head of system sales and Martin Andrews who's head of product management at Unix traffic uh, so um, thank you gents for joining me on the podcast as you're getting the stand set up uh, now Highways UK this year, its themes are innovation, sustainability and collaboration. So, Tim, what are we going to see in the next two days on the Unix traffic stand that you could call innovative? Well, we can certainly tick the innovation box, Paul. You know, after, after so many years of us all embracing Scoot, using Scoot for, for what people tell me is over 40 years, finally we have an alternative. I think it's probably the worst-case secret in, in the industry that we've... We've now been developing a product known as Fusion, which is in collaboration with TFL, so that's ticked a, a collaboration box, I think. And Fusion is going to be a real game changer for us if we can get this out to market and get this out to market and with, with, the, with the benefits that we're really trying to push for it. OK, so what are the game-changing aspects? Scoot was always really interested in cars and moving cars through cities. Fusion is fundamentally different. Fusion's interested in moving people. So whether that's an active travel objective that you've got, we can... If you we can tell Fusion that that's our priority at a particular intersection or a particular uh, set of intersections. We can tell Fusion that, by the way, I'm interested in platooning HGVs because I've got an air quality issue. I can tell Fusion a general improvement in traffic flow, if, if that's what we're looking for. So, you know, these are, there are many big pieces of Fusion that simply don't exist in Scoot. So it's a real alternative, not just something which is shiny and new and a little bit better than Scoot. Now, sometimes when you talk to people, you hear of something that's being implemented in London. And if they are in a normal-sized town or city and not one of the world's mega cities, they're going to think, well, I'm not sure that's really for me. How scalable, in this case, sort of downwards, is Fusion? You're not the first person to ask us that, and we anticipated that this was going to be something that the market is going to be very interested in. So we're working with our colleagues in Hampshire. So we've rolled out three regions 
in Hampshire for all, all quite varying differences in terms of the topology, etc. That's been running over the last six months and it's really proved fusion in terms of something which, yes, the big mega city that is TFL, you know, yes, it can, it can deliver there, but it can also deliver in Hampshire and we're seeing some really positive results so far. Martin, it sounds also that that can tick the sustainability box by the fact that if you are helping active travel, if you are keeping vehicles moving so an HGV isn't having to start and stop, which burns so much more fuel, all of that is very good for sustainability. But there seems to be, looking around the stand here, a lot more that you're doing on the sustainability angle. Yeah, a lot on sustainability. So we are heavily focused on sustainability throughout the product development life cycle and have been for some time i mean just continuing on the fusion point again leaning on the the sustainability point of view it can be rolled out on existing infrastructure on site so use existing utc existing outstations existing loops and then we can build on top of that with richer data should we want to so for example enhanced detection for pedestrian volumes or for cycle volumes but from a from a basic point it can be it can be rolled out on 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 the existing infrastructure just to sort of add to that the the, you know the interesting thing with fusion is you know we're going on a journey with this in so much as you know there are some big bang benefits that people are going to see from day one but the roadmap is such that as this detection comes in and, and 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 we start adding these things in all of a sudden you know fusion is doing different things next year that it was doing perhaps last year so so i I just think it's going to be a really exciting journey that we're going on i was going to ask that because i fell into this game nearly 25 years ago and one of the things that really caught me and and sort of grabbed me and made me find the industry so fascinating was the idea of floating vehicle data that you didn't need sensors on the side of the road you could be using the vehicles moving around and admittedly when I first used floating vehicle data in 2001 it was rubbish but as time goes on obviously it's getting better and better as a company that produces hardware that goes on the side of the road what's your view on actually starting to use that sort of data for actually driving the traffic management I mean, that's something we're obviously looking at heavily we partner with uh, the company here and we get floating data from here into our stratos system and we're looking at how that can interact with systems in particular with fusion in the future i think there's an intermediate step between that so to go from loop to floating car i think in the middle of that we've got enhanced detection so if you look around highways uk today you'll see a lot of companies selling different types of modern detection ai detection video detection video analytics and i think that's that's the next key step and Fusion will take advantage of that. And Fusion's been built from the ground up to make use of that when it's available. With my other hat on from ARTSM and Topaz, we're looking at an enhanced detection protocol. And there will be an enhanced de- detection specification from Topaz that helps align the industry in the use of that enhanced detection, uh, which I think is a really important step so we don't end up with 10, 15, 20 different companies, each with their own protocol, each with their own controller interface. Um, so again, working collaboratively throughout the industry, uh, I think that's that's an important step there, just joining together the innovation and the collaboration piece as well. You mentioned here, they once sent me on an all-expenses-paid trip to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, so I say, I really like here, and I'm happy to go again, but that's by the by, I will come and see you on stand when everybody's here over the next couple of days and we'll catch up again but for now Tim and Martin thanks for your time on Highways Voices. Perfect great to see you.
Thanks, Paul. You're listening to Highways Voices. Thanks to the sponsorship of Unix Traffic, plus Keeley Brothers, Reflow, Stantec and AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals. And now across the floor we go to Adrian again. I'm here on stand with Graham Pardo, who's Business Development Manager at one of our sponsors of the series of Highways UK podcasts, Reflow. And I think we're going to take a bit of a, a data deep dive with with Graham. So, so Graham, tell us, using data to make key decisions, how does the system do that? Well, there's a few different types of data, really. Um, you know, real-time data, near real-time data, and then you can have batch data. So gathering data is obviously more always important in terms of making decisions. And um, with real-time, obviously, you can think clocking in, clocking out. You could even have, you know, loan working. So from a safety aspect, but also just being able to think, make key decisions. Then obviously, with near real-time, Maybe that's just more generic digital forms where you can make decisions later down the line, or maybe you want to actually batch that data together to analyze at a later time. The more data you can get, it always allows you to turn that data into information, and then once you pull that information, you can, you can make some key decisions around that. So one of the things, obviously, is, is having real-time data to make, to make those instant decisions. Tell us how that works. With on-site, you're always trying to get that single source of truth from, from the back office to on-site. So, a big thing in real-time data is obviously to improve employee safety, so maybe someone's doing a risk assessment and the final risk rating is unacceptable. It's that real-time data so people can make those key decisions to you know, improve employee safety, but also by, make, by using real-time data you can increase auditability as well. So if you do get audited, you can have all of those, all of that key real-time data to provide that information within an audit. And from a customer perspective as well, it's going to increase that customer satisfaction because they're getting those more real-time insights into exactly you know what's happening on that job at that time. And obviously, the, the field management software that you you have is is full of digital tools that that work in different ways. How, how can they be used to, to harvest that data? Yeah. So in terms of harvesting the data, you know, we try to make it really easy so that you can obviously export the data or you can analyze it you know within the system. But it's really what kind of insights do you want? You want to get from that data, whether it's trying to improve efficiency, or whether it's trying to make sure that you're, you know, saving as much time as possible. But in terms of harvesting it, you know, we make it flexible. So whether you want to use a completely separate system and export it, do some more, you know, detailed analysis in that, or you want to run reports, you know, within our system, it's really just how you want to utilize that data. And again, making it easy to capture data is the first step. But then it's how you leverage that, how you use that, and turn it to more information. And how do you sort of get that consistent across the kind of workflow platform? Whether you're whether you're looking at safety, as you mentioned, whether you're looking at efficiency, whether you're looking on, on you know, cutting down on, on on paperwork, which the system does also. How, how does it help with all of those things? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a phased approach, and it depends where the business is, you know, when they when they come to us. Because some people, for them, just digitizing their forms and moving from paper to a digital solution is, is a game changer, and that. It's going to save them a lot of time because they're not going back, you know, asking people to pay the forms or trying to dig through filing systems. So that's kind of the phase one. The next phase is to really leverage, you know, automation of the system. So once you've digitized your, your workflows, then you can start leveraging kind of the more conditional logic, basically, so the system can understand if this kind of data comes back from the field, the system will know, oh, I, that means I need to tell that person to do this, or that means I need to edit this data or create this piece of data over here. So it's kind of a phased approach, and, and the more you start leveraging the system, the more you don't have to manually remember to do these 
key things so you can save time and rely on the systems to do all these automations in the background. And you need that data flow to be able to make those decisions and use the system in that way. Well, thanks for your time, Graham. It's always um, it's always good fun on the Revo stand during Highways UK, so make sure you come and check them out. This is Highways Voices from Highways UK 2023, sponsored by AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals, Keeley Brothers, Reflow, Stantec and Unex Traffic. Let's catch up with the Institute of Highway Engineers now, who are exhibiting at Highways UK this year, getting ready for the event tomorrow. I've come to a sort of quiet area just outside the exhibition hall where everything's being built at the moment uh, to talk to CEO of the IH. Steve Spender. Steve, after the announcement a couple of weeks ago by Rishi Sunak of all the uh, spending on roads, I guess now is a good time to be a highway engineer. Absolutely, and there's a, there's a real need for that investment in the network. It'll be good to see exactly how it's going to be apportioned, where it's going to. The final breakdown of it is always is always something that we're looking forward to. The sum that was announced a couple of weeks ago is great for the network. Let's hope that we can deal with the potholes and that plague that has grown since 2020 when the ring fencing was removed from the pothole funds. Uh, but there is, there is fundamental repairs that need to be done and hopefully some of this money can be extended into that. Now, my concern i guess looking at the industry though is that i'll often talk to people who say trying to find staff to actually do the work is is tough um do we have enough engineers to actually deliver what the government now wants to deliver no is the straight answer to that as far as i'm concerned we've gone through years and years of local government cuts and the and the reduction of staff and the staff that are there now will need to try and cope with the influx of work that will, will grow because of this investment. Hopefully, you know, you try to think that you can find staff from outside, but there's an absolute shortage, absolute shortage of skilled staff to just drop in and fill some of the vacancies that are there and to take on extra staff to deal with the extra workload. Now, it's quite handy then that uh, on day one of the event you're actually going to be on a panel looking at the workforce of tomorrow. Yes, and ironically, I was president of the Institute back in 2010, and I sat on a panel then with, with Sue Percy from the uh, CIHT, and we actually spoke about skill shortages and how we were going to try and cope with that for the future. Twelve years on in a cycle, we're back with the same sort of discussion. I think the only difference is this time we're talking about a change, we're talking about a new type of, of workforce that's going to need to fill some of those skills. The evolving technology is the area I think that's aimed at, um, and it, the, the, today's panel will be interesting to see um, how, what the panel can actually uh, discuss and bring out for the way in which we do that. We have always had a problem within our sector, as you know, uh, about shortage of skilled staff. Um, and this is the extra money that's come from the government is going to add to that and the need for us to retrain some of those into the skilled areas that they'll be looking for in terms of changing technology, changing techniques. It's all going to be crucial how we go forward. It's interesting because I guess what you're saying is that the days of, of building a road, you know, the structure that ends up with the black stuff going on the top of it, the, the skills needed as a highway engineer, when you're talking about the technology, what sort of technology are you talking about what sort of skills are you are you lacking well you think just think in terms of of uh, evs electric vehicles we're still going to need to put 
the, the, all the um, uh, undercover infrastructure that's going to be necessary to put the charging points in, to run the data points. It's all those sorts of things. So there's a mixture now uh, of data um, collection uh, technology that's needed to be put in place that the engineers have to go cope with. And those engineers that are dealing with just the black are going to have to know how to deal with the difficulties of, of moving that, transferring that information, perhaps resurfacing over the top of it. So there are, there are changing techniques that are going to come in, but there's also this need for having people with the right skills to put in the, the equipment and the technology-driven data information that needs to go in into the network itself. It's going to change. It's going to be a different type of network. And here's your chance for a plug then, Steve. How can the IHE help? We are the only institution out of the uh, those with the engineering council that are specialists in highways and um, we're working closely with the with Darren Capes who is our our future president of the institute to actually train and help train the the staff uh, on the engineers of the future we are here licensed by the engineering council to professionally register engineers but we also have an extensive training program that we run through our highway engineering academy that uh, is based in Birmingham and we are growing that we're actually growing the number of training courses and the specialist training courses that are needed for those of the future and and that's our aim that's our mission that's our vision is to actually make sure that we meet the challenges of what the sector needs in terms of new training for the future great stuff Steve always good to chat to you have a brilliant two days here with the crowds at the NEC thanks Paul it's been good talking to you You're listening to Highways Voices as we set up for Highways UK 2023, brought to you with a kind sponsorship of AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals, Unix Traffic, Reflow, Stantec and Keeley Brothers. And so I've come to uh, talk to Ash Howard, who is Head of HR and Training at Keeley, as we're setting up for the event that starts to welcome the crowds tomorrow. Um, Ash, I've just been talking to... Steve Spender from the IHE about the extra money that's come into funding the highway industry. This must be great news for a company like Keeling. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good um, when we've got the initiative idea, especially with our with the new sort of machinery that we've got coming in. Obviously, we've got a multi-patcher that can attack every sort of pothole going. It's useful and it will make a lot more use of that money, cover a lot of wider area. Um, so, yeah, no, really exciting. Tell me a bit more about the multi-patcher because I've run an article on it on Highways News and we talked in the preview with your colleague Neil Levitt, but it's so big and it's so in demand to be used in demos at the moment that it's not actually going to be here at the NEC this week. No, no, we wouldn't fit through the doors, I don't think. It's got a lot of uh, a lot of requests to use it and see it. Basically, it just takes out any aspect of danger. It can be operated just in the cab. Um, it's got a front front arm that we can put out to any pothole going, um, and then we can get, we've got a screed, a screed bar at the back which we can fill out larger uh, patches if needed. But yeah, no, just that, that main aspect is the safety aspect of it that no operator will be in danger of any traffic that may cause them harm if they were outside the cab cutting it exactly themselves. I mean. It is a great idea to have a one-person operated machine and they're safely cocooned inside a cab while you're fixing the road service outside you. And what else it does is we know with all the stamp out currently in traffic management, it also saves out every all the verbal abuse, physical abuse, any danger that we might get from 
uh, road users on their side. The question that we talked about with Steve as well just now, though, is, you know, and you're head of HR and training, have you got the bodies to actually deliver the work that's now being demanded? Yes, and we have a, getting a bit more innovative in how we, which talent pools that we dip into. So we are looking at a wide range of uh, people. We're looking at schools, youth, youth centres, and we're also looking at stuff like hiring ex-offenders, training them up to what they need. So we've got that constant talent pool coming through, through the ranks, training them to where we need them in the business. See, the ex-offenders bit is brilliant. And if you listening to this haven't heard the interview with James Fellows that Neil Levitt did that we ran on there, the first podcast of the year, do go back and listen to that because you've teamed up with James and his Bridge of Hope organisation, which is getting ex-offenders, ex-institutionalised people back into the workplace in companies like Keeley Brothers. Yeah, so... Obviously, we can't hire everyone. It's a great talent pool for us to take out people. But what the purpose of us training within prisons is to make sure that they're introduced back into society properly. So what we do is we send them over to... We, we send them to Bridge of Hope so that they can find an employer that will take them on through that background. It's about getting them back into a job, back into society, and making that transition as smooth as possible. So it's a really, really good platform. Ash, you can tell all about it to visitors to the Keeley stand this week here at Highways UK and especially the work you do with the ex-offenders and others that have been institutionalised in their life means that you can really look at yourself in the mirror every day and be proud of what you do. Certainly makes it enjoyable coming to work. Fantastic. Ash Howard is Head of HR and Training at Keeley Brothers. Come and see them next couple of days here at Highways UK. Oh, that'll do it for a busy old preview for Highways UK and we'll have much more busyness tomorrow as the business starts. I'll join you for a brilliant keynote session first thing in the morning in the main theatre and then I'll be working away with Adrian bringing you another podcast tomorrow afternoon talking to the main players in our industry here at Highways UK. Just leaves me to thank our sponsors once more, Keeley Brothers, Reflows, Stantec, AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals and Unex Traffic for their support and I'll catch you tomorrow. From the NEC in Birmingham, Highways Voices at Highways UK. Thanks to the sponsorship of Unex Traffic, Stantec, Reflow, Keeley Brothers and AGD Systems and Traffic Group Signals.